And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good and yes i am the super producer i am bill joined always by my tag team partner my wrestling confidant he is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts he is justin Juice Cannon. Boom. Boom. Bay, 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 bay. So I'm on the East Coast and I have not had a lot of exposure to West Coast wrestling, especially the uh, Las Vegas, Nevada scene. And I just have to say, I especially after this interview, am a massive Gregory Sharp fan now. Like, Juice, you, you, you brought him to my attention. I was not really aware of him prior to you moving out to Vegas. And now I just want everything to go Gregory Sharp's way. Like, I just love that dude. Yeah, he's a great dude. Extremely nice. Um, exact opposite of his character in FSW and uh, most promotions. He's the, usually the vicious heel. But even as the heel, I love him. Like instantly, instantly became a fan. He's definitely um, my favorite guy on the West Coast of the West Coast promotions I'm familiar with, which is like, and there's some good ones like Prestige and Defire, Big and Washington, Oregon, FSW here, uh, PWG. And he does such a great job. And there's definitely so much more I wanted to ask. Like I want to dive more into the LA Dojo and Definitely, we'll try to get them on again in the future. And I just look forward for people to listen to this one. It's one of my favorites. And this guy's one of my favorites on the indies, as I already said. So, G-Sharp, the world fight. Yeah, I, I marked out quite a few times during this. Like, I literally just stopped everything and was like, bro, I fucking love you. <laughs> just wait until you see him wrestle. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't hold you back from the interview any longer, at least. So, ladies and gentlemen, World Fight, Gregory Sharp. What's up, everybody? This is Juice with my co-host, Bill, and we're doing another interview today. And I'm excited for this one. This is my uh, favorite wrestler in the West Coast right now. Ever since I moved to Vegas, this is my guy on the Vegas wrestling scene. Uh, the World Fight, Gregory Sharp, the FSW Nevada State Champ, the Level Up Expo Champ, and the Grap House Heavyweight Champion. Welcome, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Uh, that was a hell of an intro. I appreciate you, man. No problem, dude. I've, I've been really excited for this because... Uh, Ever since just the first time I saw you back in, I think it was March, it was like Day of Reckoning. You made me an instant fan, and that was your second fight with Remy, which we'll get to you and your rivalry with your FSW rival, Remy Marcel, later. You're known as the World Fight, and rightfully so. You've wrestled all over the world. What's your favorite country and city you've been to from the angle of a visitor? And I was a wrestler. We'll get to the wrestling part. I'm a big fan. Like one of the reasons I started wrestling was because I just always wanted to travel the world. And I saw that it was possible, like on an independent level. I saw dudes like Rocky Romero, Colt Cabana, so on and so forth. This was back in like 2006, 2007, back when I was still in high school uh, on MySpace, of all places, of course. And I saw that they could travel the world. So, like, I was that's how I got more interested in like being an independent pro wrestler. Um, but as far as like favorite places that I, I've been to myself, um, Ireland is normally number one for like travel, for the people, for wrestling. I, I absolutely adore going out there and being able to like just spend time there, talk to people, and then also wrestle out there as well to be a part of like OTT. Uh, the last show I was on for OTT was back in December. 
I was on a show, I was sharing a locker room with Mark Haskins, Will Ospreay, uh, Ozzy Open, Rocky Romero. So I'm just looking around here, I'm like, I'm standing amongst giants and I'm just like, oh, hey, I'm here too. That's cool. <laughs> you know, uh, I was actually the first American to come back to Ireland since the lockdown, since COVID, since everything. Uh, Rocky Romero was also on the show, but I was on the first match. So technically I'm still first. Sorry, Rocky, you can't get that distinction. No, nope, no, nope. you might have wrestled in the main event. <laughs> when you share a locker room with guys like that, do you like go up to them and just say anything like, hey, nice to meet you. Do you have any advice or is it just kind of like, what's up, brother? We're both here. Happy to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just kind of play by ear, play by like what's going on. If there's an opportunity to make that conversation, I take it. Uh, I'm more of like a laid back individual myself like i don't really force an issue i'm not the type to like throw throw myself in there like hey i'm this guy i do this i've done this uh, uh let me try to tell you like my whole life story right now or whatever um i'm much more laid back than that like if it comes up it comes up if it doesn't you know I, you know i guess i'll see you on the next one or uh if i come to your attention then i come to your attention but i don't really care to like jump into my face and like hey man i'm this guy i'm like no no, no you know if if I'm there, then you'll find out and you'll know that I'm there. Like those guys want to introduce themselves to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to make a splash. Like, uh, actually, funny story. Just the other night, uh, I was wrestling for WrestleCore up in Vancouver. Uh, so Trey Miguel, he was actually in the main event. And um, we kind of, like, been in similar circles, have similar friends and whatnot. Uh, I've done, like, some helping out with Impact, but that was my first time ever meeting him. So we're doing the show and my match is on first. And then after my match, I'm just kind of sitting on the stairs talking with a friend of mine and Trey of all people. Like I, I met him, I talked to him a little bit, but then he comes up to me, looks me dead in my eyes. Like that was incredible. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea who you were prior to, but that you're great. And I was like, whoa, that's uh, Trey Miguel. And he's like, with the hard compliments for me of all people, like that's really cool. Um, so that's what I mean when I don't really feel the need to like, jump into my face i feel like your actions speak so much louder than your words and hey man like we're all human like we might be professionals and we all work hard to be the best that we can but not everybody's 100 all nobody hit uh nobody bats a thousand or that's what the saying nobody bats a thousand so yeah you know you might be having an off night now all the shit you were talking 20 minutes ago is not looking so hot so i uh, best uh keep your mouth shut and just kind of go out there and work your ass off and you know, sometimes it goes well, sometimes it don't. But uh, for me on Sunday, it had happened to go really, really well. So much so that somebody as great as Trey Miguel was like coming up to me like, hey, that was a great job. I was like, oh, shit, cool. Thanks, man. And you've had your fair share. I mean, you also recently have been on AEW television um, as a security yeah. guard, one of the many massacred by Wardlow. So what's it like uh, being backstage at AEW? What's the vibe like that compared to an indie scene? Uh, it's actually really laid back. It's really laid back. It's very busy, of course. Um, there's a lot going on, but everyone's very friendly. They're very open. Um, we also got to do the dark match uh, against House of Black. You would think like they'd be maybe holier than now, maybe a little bit uh, high end or whatever. But no, like real, real relaxed guys, real chill guys. Um, and I really like working with them. Uh, Malachi Black, I just feel like has a really good idea of character and personality and getting yourself over as opposed to just doing cool stuff. Uh, because a lot of people can do that cool stuff, but there's only one Malachi Black and he shows why he's worth what he's worth. Let's go back to some of your AEW appearances and you worked, you just said you worked with the House of Black and obviously we already know you worked with Wardlow. Of, of the guys, not just those guys, but anybody you've worked with. Who's the most intimidating person you've stood in the ring with? Probably Sima uh, from Dragon Gate. Um, just because, like, he's a real, like, walking legend, you know what I mean? Um, I was a huge fan of Sima growing up. And to, like, be in the ring with him, like, in a match that he requested. Like, uh, this was back in 2018 uh, when we were still doing the OWE stuff over in China. Um, and it was not like the best of times for me. Uh, I had actually just come back from an injury and not been in the ring. I was just kind of like low on confidence and everything like that. 
And literally my first match in three months was against Sima, one-on-one, just me and him. I was like, oh, fantastic. All right, cool. I will really like to be in better spirits for one of the biggest matches of my life. But nope, here you are. That's your chance right now. Get in there. Go. Do it. But he was very uh, forthcoming, very giving in the match. And not one of my favorites. Um, it's still a good match. It's not bad. But I, I think just like in that position that I was in, just me solely, uh, I could have done better. And I've just been working really hard ever since to make sure that if that opportunity ever comes up or any opportunity ever comes up, that I could be ready for it. Um, but just being in that mindset where it's like, oh, I just came back from this injury and I've just kind of like been on the bench for the past three months. And like, I don't even know if I'm physically capable of pulling this off. And now on top of all that, here's Japanese legend Sima standing across the ring expecting me to go. So, and there's an audience, of course, all watching and ready they paid their money so yeah it's time to go so we pulled it off uh it was a fine match but i really do believe that in a better mindset on a different day i could definitely pull out a better game so sima's probably one of many that you've wrestled that english is their second language is it hard like the four match talk figuring things out with guys like that or do they speak better english than we assume sima definitely speaks really good english um he's been going all around the world for the past 20 years he's not great by any means but he he definitely call a match very easily in english uh, and i did spend a lot of time communicating with sima from when we were trained together or just like going on the road together i would try to talk to him uh, as much as i possibly could again somebody like even though he's a legend he's also like a pretty decent guy on top of that so he's more than happy to talk to the young guys and try to help people out as much as he can. In Mexico, it's a little bit more difficult, especially my first time going there, because my first time going there, I had no, almost no Spanish. But the training in Spanish and just going back to the apartment and tra- uh, practicing Spanish, thankfully, my teacher, his girlfriend at the time, Reina Isis, she spoke really good English, so she was able to translate everything for me. But then calling matches and stuff like that, it had to be a lot of body language. But it was always really difficult because in Mexico, guys tend to show up late, uh, like or like right before the matches. And then sometimes like they would be in the other room calling the match, and then I'm in this room, and then of course they're all calling it in Spanish. And then I show up, and then they're like, "Uh, maybe you do like this." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, sure." Um, There's only one time it got really bad where. Uh, we went out and I had literally no idea what the finish was. So, yeah, I kind of just fucked that one up. Uh, <laughs> that was about the end of that story. I can't even imagine what it's like. We've we've had a few people before say like wrestling is a universal language. So like, how does body language correlate to something like that? When, when you're just training all the time, it, it really is its own language. And but that's kind of where it makes it difficult when you're transitioning from. American style to like a Lucha Libre style, which are almost literally like Spanish and English as far as things are concerned. They're so different and have their own nuances and everything like uh, that sort. So just trying to like, I might be able to figure things out as far as an American stand is concerned, but from the Lucha stand, it's completely different and they're a little bit faster with everything. So you're just really got to be on step. So there's just really no time for uh, 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 that kind of stuff, like that stuttering, because they're already almost on to the next step. Um, in American style, it's a little bit easier, or maybe it's a little bit easier for me, having done it for 12 years now. So you don't necessarily have to call so much that you can just kind of go out there and figure things out as is. But when you're talking about like Lucha Stan or Lucha, it, like I said, it's a, such a different style, such a different technique, such a different timing, such a different tempo that you really do have to kind of practice the both of them. You can't, or at least for most people, I'm assuming, you wouldn't be able to just step from one to the other. And I've seen really great wrestlers from both Lucha or American style go to the other, and it's really having a hard time for them just trying to make that transition. Japanese is a little bit different uh, just because it's a little bit slower. Uh, they, they're a little bit stronger. So, well, not like hard hitting, but you know, the strong style, uh, it's a little bit easier and closer to the American style to keep up with. That's very interesting. I've never really thought of the different perspectives of like how different wrestling is compared to what region of the world you're in. 
to get a crowd to like pop, is it a lot more difficult, especially if you are, like you said, you've been training in the American style for 12 years, if you were to go to a place like Japan or Mexico, or does that just come with reps to learn that? Um, it just comes with knowing your audience and being able to give them what they're looking for. Uh, but generally speaking, if you're there already, then you have something that these people want. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be there. So just give what you do the best that you can. When I went to Mexico that first time, that to me was the biggest mistake that I made was that I had so much love and so much respect for Lucha Libre that I just wanted to be a luchador. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to do like they, what they were doing, but it's not my style. And I can't keep up with dudes who have been doing this since day one when I've only been doing it for a month. And not only that, but that audience that they already have lucha match, lucha match, lucha match, lucha match, luchador, luchador, luchador. That guy's from Mexico. This guy's from Mexico. That guy came up in lucha. That guy came up in lucha. So as an American, you are finally something different. You are the different spice. So for you to show up and just try to give them the exact same thing that they're already doing, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it'd be like going to uh, this chain of taquerias, like. Uh, legitimate authentic taquerias and then right in the middle of them is a fucking taco bell and it's like no i'm not gonna go there like why would you do that well you could just bring something that you do really really well and if you do that i think it's the same like when these japanese guys come over they're doing their style they're not trying to be americans when they're when we go down to mexico i think the best thing that we can do is just try to be ourselves uh as opposed to just trying to blend in with them because why then you're not getting anything different they're not getting the thing that they really want which is something new and different exciting and that sometimes leads to really cool stuff where these blends of styles come together and you're getting something that nobody's seen before it's like oh shit i know i know you can do this with this but once you get those two tastes they can really taste great together you know do you have a particular opponent that you faced where you felt your styles were different but they've told a great story in the ring just recently there's a guy down in mexico i didn't wrestle him but i trained with him a little bit uh his name's yutani he's a part of big black generation uh which is part of it's being led by what's his name flamita or dark flamita whatever the hell he's going by nowadays um newer guy but uh we just kind of had like this instant connection and i thought that was really cool he has a very japanese style but at the same time, like uh, with my kind of more intense style, when we got together, it worked out really, really well. And I was like, damn, this is something that should be like on shows. I, I think people will be into that. So speaking of guys that you had a lot of like chemistry with in the ring, recently back in Full Tilt Weekend, you had a match against Davey Richards at Luck of the Draw for FSW. In my opinion, that was match of the weekend. And Oh, thank you like including double or nothing i was the crowd like it was a small fsw crowd but everyone was so into the match like you guys worked it so well and it was very technical and very driven to the mat and your styles and characters both really showed really well and end in a draw do you think we'll see a grudge match in this in the soon future and will it be just as technical you guys or would you like to try to switch up how uh you know the feel of the ring feel the style that was a match that got posed to me like a little uh months ago months ago and you know in wrestling as an entertainment you hear a million different things all oh, this 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 and so i'm like all right i'll see it. i'll believe it when i see it i'll believe it when i see it and then when the flyer actually came out about the match actually happening i was like okay so some shit's pretty real now now the, now all that's going to happen is the day comes and he actually shows up and then i'll believe this match is actually going to happen and sure enough it did and everything worked out and I'm glad with how well the match was received by people. Going into it, it was definitely a gut check, you know. Um, I, I don't think lowly of myself, but at the same time, David Richards, he's just one of the best to ever do it as far as the independents are concerned, probably as far as wrestling is concerned as a whole. So to go in there and hold my own, stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe and be able to go inch for inch, second for second with him. That was a real uh, realization for me of like, okay, cool. What I'm doing is working. Uh, these people are into it and I should continue, like the path that I'm on is a good one. Um, as far as the comeback match, that's 
that's going to be an interesting one, especially with me being the Nevada State champion now. Uh, that's I haven't been pinned or submitted. I can't even remember the last time. Uh, it's been a while that since I've been pinned or submitted in the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. In the city of Las Vegas, I can't remember the last time that I was. Uh, I've lost some tag matches where I wasn't pinned, but I haven't been pinned or submitted, uh, especially not this year. And that's the only draw, that's the only blemish, I guess you could say, is on my record right now is with Davey. So I would love to come back and have that match all over again and see what we can do on the second time, the second go around. Uh, but I just love being able to be in the ring with somebody who I can share that intensity with. There's not a whole lot of people that can get to that level of intensity that I like to wrestle at. And he is there and then some. It's the first time where my intensity is like, oh, okay, shit, I, I can go a step further now. I can go beyond this. I can go push further because he's not much further. And I really enjoy that. So a rematch is something I'm really looking forward to and being able to defend the Nevada State Championship against somebody of that caliber. Uh, and then that would really put that title on the map for me. I really think so. I definitely look forward to see, to seeing that again because that was just a banger. And even just the crowd demanding the five minutes and uh, you like hyping them up, getting them all excited, being like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Then you just be like, nah, and just dipping. I popped because I was rooting for you the whole match. And I was I I was laughing my ass off when he did that and just walked away. Yeah, man, pay for it next time. <laughs> I worked hard enough. <laughs> Is that a match you regard as one of your best? Or what are some other matches of yours that you're really proud of that you recommend people go check out? It's funny. I remember, um, so I've listened to a lot of wrestling podcasts. And when I listen to them, they would normally pose that question to the guy of, oh, hey, what's one of your favorite matches? And you expect them to say, like, oh, such and such huge match from WrestleMania or something like that. But then they would, like, pull out some obscure-ass match from some small country or some uh, live show that nobody ever seen and there's no footage of or something like that. And I always go, what? what? How, could you, how could you say that match of all matches? What? Uh, until I had a match like that myself. This was back in 2018 in china i forget the name of it i forget the name of the city unfortunately but myself and a friend of mine nick bugatti we were wrestling for owe at the time and we got pulled from owe to do a collaboration show with we love wrestling in a different part of china and at this show we were kind of set out to be the bad guys who kind of disrupt the show and take on the big heroes at the end of the show um so we're but at the same time like these people the chinese nationals like they have very little to no concept of pro wrestling they have no fucking clue what they're watching so in the first two three matches like the guys going out there and they're doing their things they're hitting big moves and yada 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 this like they're wrestling the hearts out and people just don't get it they're just kind of sitting there watching and it was just something wild that when we come in and we attack the guys in the first match and then we do like two or three more matches and then we attack the guys in the semi-main and then when we're out there doing the promo and we're talking our shit and then people are starting to finally kind of get it and they're like trying to like or they're starting to resent us and they're kind of starting to like get some booze going I'm, it's starting to sound like a wrestling crowd i'm like all right cool and then the the, the heroes come out and then they get on the mic and they start talking their shit and the people start getting behind them and the people are like starting to cheer and they're starting to come alive and i'm like all right cool they're starting to get it we like i think we got these people hooked and then they make the the beeline for the ring and then we're fighting all over the place and people are screaming they're terrified they're enjoying it they're laughing they're they're running away they're they're pulling their hands up and stuff we roll back in the ring we start doing our stuff we we're beating up on the good guys and they're booing us and the good guys start making their comeback and they're cheering. And then uh, the big finish happens. They pin Nick Bugatti because he can take the pin. Uh, I don't need to take any pins. Um, he gets the pin. Uh, the people like they come unglued. They're ah, ah, just losing their minds. And for me, like that was such a proud moment because I took an audience of people 
who had no idea the concept of what pro wrestling is. They they don't know all the spots. They don't know the history. They don't know the characters. They don't know to boo or to cheer any of that stuff that you would ha- get a typical wrestling audience or the typical wrestling show. But by the end of that show, they got it. They knew. They knew to boo us. They knew to cheer them. They knew when to cheer. They they got excited. They were into it. They were afraid of it. They they felt something. And for me, by the time that we counted that one, two, three, I was just so absurdly proud of what we had just done. And then I kind of got the confirmation of that because after the show, people were coming up to me and they were wanting pictures or they were like afraid of me or they, they just were excited and you could see it in their faces and in their eyes that they had just experienced something. And I'm like, yes, that is the point. That is pro wrestling. That is what I, that's why I came to China in the first place was to show people what pro wrestling is and to try to instill that in them. Like pro wrestling instilled in me for all these years and it's instilled in yourselves and it's instilled in all these other wrestling fans and in the wrestling community the world over because China did not have pro wrestling. And it still kind of doesn't, as OWE ultimately failed. Um, and in the pandemic, a lot of wrestling shows, they had to go to no audiences. And they just really haven't had ever their own pro wrestling. That's what OWE was trying to bring to them. So, it, and, But OWE, to me, didn't have the heart that pro wrestling needs in order to succeed. Like with a show like Progress over in England, which didn't had a really small budget, had a bunch of guys that nobody had ever heard of, but like slowly but surely started to gain momentum and more momentum and more ground because it had heart and people believed in it and they continued to go on with it and it became fun and that experience spread out to these people and it made a whole community and it made progress a world power as far as pro wrestling is concerned. So much so that everyone in the wrestling community knows exactly what progress wrestling is. And I really wanted to try to do that in China with OWE. But that night in China with WLW uh, in that tag match, like that's the closest I ever felt to bringing that heart, uh, that passion of pro wrestling to an audience and them getting it and being able to like have that moment. Um, So yeah, that's always been one of my proudest matches. Another one that actually just happened a couple months ago was again a small show but this one is on youtube so it can be found it can be seen was uh wrestlecore uh who i just debuted for in vancouver we had another small show in an even smaller city even further north in canada uh back in may and it was for another convention and so you had like this nice mixture of like non-wrestling fans and wrestling fans because a lot of people were there to see bret hart a lot of people came to see the pro wrestling or were just interested by the pro wrestling and that night we really put on a great match me and heavy metal and the people were so receptive to it and afterwards we were kind of treating me like i was this big huge superstar and mind you like two hours prior to they didn't know who the hell i was so for me to have gone from like nobody from literally zero to hero in such a short amount of time i'm extremely proud of that match and uh what myself and heavy metal had done that night I think it speaks volumes to who you are as a person too. I mean, it just comes off across you so naturally, just that love and that passion and just how much you just put into that story and just like, you know, <laughs> just loving that story for wrestling. That's, that's one of the things I love about just doing the podcast is like hearing, hearing wrestlers, hearing just the people behind the wrestlers tell these crazy stories, like these stories that as a casual fan, even just like a, a of the most professional, professional wrestling, like you have, no idea that there's these smaller niche communities within wrestling that um you know the 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 love the passion the art of pro wrestling is just getting so expanded upon and just building into something that will become greater later on and i think somebody like you you know i i personally haven't seen a match of yours in person definitely seen enough on social media uh to to be a big fan and it's it's just natural it seems like it just comes so natural to you independent wrestling you can really just have that difference and there's like uh in wwe you have the variety you have the women's matches you have the cruiserweight matches you have the big uh main event matches you have the funny stuff um so there is that circus there is that variety show to pro wrestling but in independent wrestling it's just so much more uh 
I used to think like, why would he like come to these indie shows? Like we don't have the budget. Like the, nobody knows who the hell we are. This place looks like ass. It's terrible. And then uh, after a while, I just kind of realized like, it, it's these small rooms. It, it's these things that you just experience that no one else is experiencing. And like, yeah, it's cool to be there for fucking WrestleMania and there's 18,000 people like, oh my God, all my fucking reigns. And it's super cool, you know? But at the same time, like, uh, one of the coolest things that I saw, uh, and I'll put, put over a friend of mine, uh, Chris Bay, he was wrestling uh, another really great guy named Mariachi Loco in a really, really, really small VFW somewhere in California. And they were just putting on this incredible fucking match, man. And uh, the rest of the night was really good. It was a fun show. But it, it was just so cool to watch the, the expression on these people's faces of like a hundred people just came together in this room and they're experiencing this thing together. And it's just them and it's just for them. And they're all getting it and they're all playing along and they're all having fun. And then I'm like, that's, that's pro wrestling. That's the fun of it. That's what indie wrestling is. Like, yeah, you can go to these big market uh, wrestling shows where it's wrestling for kind of everybody, wrestling for the common man, which is cool. But you can also go and find your own little niche where you find people that you relate to or you and your friends go out and it's just y'all having your own fun and you can be a little bit more free. You can have a little bit more fun because you don't have to worry about some security guard coming in and taking your sign away. Like, hey, man, calm down or doing something of the sort. Like you're just kind of there enjoying yourself, you know, that maybe watch your mouth. Don't uh, don't say anything homophobic or anything of that sort. But at the same time, like, please just have fun. And that's what you're able to do at like these indie wrestling shows. And it's just these small experiences that you have with these other people. And to me, I'm like, damn, yeah, that's why people come to this. That's what makes these things that we do so special. I love bringing people who aren't pro wrestling fans because like to a lot of my friends, like doing the podcast and just loving pro wrestling to them, it's just like, bro like you're watching grown men in underwear fight each other like what are you doing yeah. um, but when i take them to an indie show like and they announce you know like they'll say oh you know our, our next show is july 7th and july 19th or whatever and they're like oh man like we have to go to that like like we have to go and i'm like bro you were making fun of me in the car on the way here you know like i'm, I'm telling you like you know like this isn't wwe you know like you're not gonna see like the pyro and the crazy theatrics i was like you're just gonna see dudes who just love wrestling and then they got into it they they cheered the faces booed the heels and they loved it um one more thing that, that actually just reminded me of again and uh from the show in vancouver just on sunday because I, I really like the other thing that like it's so different like uh, wwe or aw have those guardrails that separate you and it's very clear and concise like you are on the side they are on that side and you will not mix do not touch anybody so on and so forth but at wrestlecore we literally had the chairs like right up against the ring and uh so people and they were encouraged to like hey man if you're into the show like fucking slap on the ring like they do at uh wxw or pwg or something like that or even at uh here at grab house um but we were wrestling and I was extending my hand out and the people, they started extending their hands out and like, uh, I'm reaching for them and they're reaching for me. And where there's this moment where like our fingertips are touching. And then the, the guy I was wrestling, Travis Williams, he comes and slaps their hands away and he grabs me and he pulls me away. I'm like, bro, there's no fucking movie on earth where you're going to get that no movie you could ever experience. there's no other form of entertainment where you could ever reach out and touch the person that you're cheering for or booing against and they they can interact with you like physically physically interact with you it doesn't happen it does not happen and to me like that is the magic of independent pro wrestling exactly just the community there's nothing like it and that's why i gravitate to it especially indies like like you said you get the you can physically interact with the acts as long as you know they're okay with it and it's yeah, yeah. within reason and also like in the big WWE shows, I can't have like a two minute back and forth as a man. Like, well, I can, but like, it's harder. Like, I can like yell at you and you yell back at me and we have a back and forth if I really wanted to. What's it's what makes it great. And a little sidetrack, we'll get back to uh, questions, but um, I just want to chime in too. Uh, so your character is one of my favorites. It's a just unstable, egotistical, violent, intense heel. Uh, how do you get in the mindset for your promos and matches to deliver that character? Because at a 
FSW 13th anniversary, I was watching it and uh, I was there and I saw you and I thought about going up to you and um, introducing myself. And it was before your match and you were just, you were getting ready and tense. So I left you alone and I'm like, wow, he's, he's getting, they're gonna, they're gonna bring it. And you guys brought the house down, but yeah, just how do you get into that mindset? What's your secret? You ever seen the first Avengers movie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. The, the Hulk or Bruce Banner, excuse me, because they asked him the exact same thing. It's like, how, how do you get there? He's like, I'm always angry. <laughs> That's kind of essentially it. Uh, I mean, I think I just wound up finding a way to turn one of the most negative things in my life into a massive positive for me. Uh, whereas like uh, everyone kind of has their things, uh, their vices or their issues. Uh, it's just part of being human. Um, I kind of always had an anger issue. Uh, not nothing that ever got me in trouble. I might have almost got me kicked out of school a couple of times back when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, that's when I kind of led me to jujitsu and judo and martial arts. And I was able to find a way to um, work all out, work out all those issues. Um, but, you know, it, it's always still there and you always something that you deal with. But I was able to, with what I'm doing now, find a way to channel those frustrations, those, that anger, that that feeling that I had inside of me, whether it been for wrestling or for life or something. And then just having 12 years of wrestling experiences and 12 years of ups and downs and uh, having the rev pulled out from under you and disappointment and just, uh, just general frustration for things not going the way that you want it. And then just having like real, real motivation. Like when we had the original Nevada state title match, back in 2021 and I lost and for months I just had to deal with people like oh man I wish you had won oh man uh you should have won oh man man oh, oh, oh this and it's just like fuck yeah I know but it's uh I didn't and you just kind of carry that weight with you and just the frustrations of like you're doing all this work and you're killing yourself and working just to make ends meet or working just to pay off your wrestling habit or working to to get to the show and you get all the way there it's hours that you've been driving or riding on a bus or something of the sort and then they got nothing for you <laughs> and then you just got to turn around and go right back or you, you're working so hard and you just can't get that spot um and it's just using all of that frustration as that real real motivation and being able to like be really honest with my feelings and my my thoughts and put that out there it, it creates a character that is very viable and people feel me and that's kind of what and that's why i finally realized it's not about the moves it's not about the matches it's about making people feel you and when you can make people feel you that's when you stand a real chance of going somewhere doing something more now i think that's why we're here having this conversation now because you saw what i was doing and you felt it like you can go out there and you can do some really spectacular stuff, but it's another thing if you can make somebody feel some shit, you know, um, whether it's pro wrestling or a song or a movie, people gravitate towards the things that they feel. And when I'm out there, I feel stuff. I feel that intensity. I feel that strain, that anger, that strain. And I put that out there and I pe think people give it right back because they can feel what I'm feeling and they can resonate with them. And that's how we kind of get to here. It's just a sharing of a feeling that I put out there and people respond to. I absolutely love that perspective on it. I mean, we've, we've had plenty of people come on and we've talked about similar things before. And one thing I always say is I, I gravitate towards wrestling characters who are just an extension of who the person is, but to see you, you know, channel things that were negative for you and just turn it into this incredible character and just, you know, just the passion, just sharing it with you. It's, it's just awesome. You know, like almost brings a tear to my eye. Like it's just, it's just so powerful. And I just really love this conversation too. Like I, I definitely really love your perspective on this. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's it. I, I mean, I think that's all just making up for the fact that I can't do nice back <laughs> Mine are kind of ass, if I'm being honest, like they kind of suck, so I better do something else. So uh, your passion finally got, well, not finally, but it got rewarded in a big way a week ago when you probably had, I don't know, one of your biggest weekends of your career winning 
two titles in two days. You won Nevada State Championship on Sunday and the day before the Crap House. Uh, how'd you celebrate? Uh, with my girlfriend, of course. Um, my girlfriend, uh, she actually is the announcer for a couple of shows here in town, Miss Deanna Montes Sandoval. Uh, she announces for Pride Style and she announces for Versus. Uh, just overall great person, really wonderful person. Very lucky to have her in my life, to be honest. Um, and she is the one who really helps motivate me when I'm down or push me forward or something like she's always there. She's quite possibly the most supportive person in my entire life by far. Not to say I have bad people in my life, actually quite the opposite. I'm very privileged of the fact that I've lived a very good life with a lot of supportive, wonderful people around me. My basically my entire life. I'm very, very lucky for that because I hear stories all the time and uh, I'm very aware that there's a world of people that, you know, um, maybe not the best, you know, maybe not the coolest people to be around. And some people are just like, yeah, that's what I got. And I look around me and I have really wonderful people just all throughout my life. And for her to be as great as she is to me and as supportive and understanding, um, yeah, I'm really lucky in that aspect. Um, so of course, yeah, when it came time to celebrate, it's going to be me and her. So, you know, got, went out, had some sushi, tried to go catch a movie, but you know, neither of us are really the drinking type or partying type. And then after that, it's right back to work because, um, last week it, I did take it a little bit easy and I don't know. I mean, maybe that came back to bite me in the ass because I had the new Japan seminar on Friday and, uh, with this one was Shibata was with Shibata. The first one that we did was with Rocky Romero. And this one was a massive reality check and showing me that like, oh, there's so there's a world of work that I still need to do. And it was really cool to have that because after having such a momentous weekend of uh, winning the Grab House World title, winning the Nevada State uh, title, you you want to be on top of the world. You're like, oh man, I fucking did it. I I, I Climb the mountain. I'm the guy on fucking top now. I'm the guy in Vegas. I'm the dude. And no, 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 no. Because you are the big fish in a little pond. And there is a world out there that is ready and just so much bigger than that. So you got to continue to work. And there's no real stop. So even though we're up here, we got to keep climbing. And you got to keep going. There's no real time to stop and really look around. So... Uh, it's right back on it. And today was kind of like the first day where I got to do that training. So I did the exact same training that was killing me on Friday. I'm coming back and doing it again today. And then I'm going back to the gym. Uh, right before this conversation started, I just got back from the gym. And it's just going to continue on tomorrow and just continue to work and work and work because that's what it means. So now I feel like I'm kind of the guy on top, maybe in Vegas, maybe, maybe, uh, with the three titles representing versus FSW and Grab House. And it's a thing where you don't just get to sit around and like, ah, yeah, and enjoy. No, it's actually quite the opposite. Now you get to work harder than everybody else because now all of the eyes are on you. And I want to bring awareness to FSW. I want to bring awareness back to Grab House. I want to bring awareness to versus. I want to bring awareness, of course, to myself. And let the world know out there that Vegas pro wrestling is very, very good. And we have a lot of talented people. So if I'm going to lead the charge, then I need to be on top of my game. I can't sit around. I can't uh, complain. I have to work hard, period. Like that's the beginning, middle, and end of it. And I like to believe I'm prepared to make that happen. I'm, I like to believe I'm prepared to do that work. Mind you, I'm saying that I'm breathing hard because I, I know it's a world of work. I know that I'm just getting started. But uh, what I've done and what I've cultivated up to this point has led me to this point. So I'm just going to keep working harder and harder until I can get to the place where I want to really be. And of course, try to bring up the people around me at the same time. Uh, Vegas Pro Wrestling, I've been a part of it for the past 11 years. Since 2011 was my first appearance here in Vegas. And since then, I've wrestled basically everywhere that you could in Vegas. There was a couple of promotions that I missed out on, uh, a couple of ones that are like things just didn't work out or whatever. But I wrestled for almost every promotion in Vegas. I wrestled in every part of the city. I, I, can't, I like to make this claim. Mind you, it's just a claim. I don't know. I can't back check it. But I believe 
I might actually be the person with the most matches in all of Las Vegas history. Just looking at it, uh, I think, I think. I can't, I can't actually back that up, but I think that I am. Just from wrestling from all these different promotions and wrestling on such a regular schedule for a while, uh, and I'm still the one that's going out and going to other countries like Mexico, to Europe. Um, I'm hoping to go back to Ireland in the not-so-distant future. So I, once again, like I said, it's just all work that you have to do. You can never rest. You can never say like, ah, oh, I did it because that's when the world just kind of eats you alive. Can I just like bottle like your energy, your integrity, everything, your work ethic. Can I just like bottle that up and like put it in my coffee every morning? I swear you are just exuding everything that I love about pro wrestling. I feel like, and just how hard you're willing to work and how hard you're willing to just keep getting better. I think that everything you're doing right now is just absolutely proving that yeah yeah and i will put myself over for a second i actually don't drink coffee so this is just me just doing it you know what i'm saying no coffee no energy drinks i just gotta keep going like just uh whatever i got inside of me just like use that um but no absolutely and i'm really happy to be a part of this community and uh the people around me um i've been really happy to have a small part in a lot of other wrestlers uh lives and other other wrestlers careers I got to have a lot of first matches of guys uh, like Ricky G or Shogun. Um, actually was the first person to let Chris Bay into a wrestling ring. Please ask him that story. He, I get meaner every time he tells it. Um, and I, just like being around for a long time to be able to see all these guys come up. And when we pull off a show like we did for the FSW 13 year anniversary, and we weren't really sure what the draw was going to be. Like, I, I was half expecting to, like, pull back the curtain and see, like, 50 people there. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, well, here we go. Let's go do this matching for all these people, you know? Like, oh, big 13-year anniversary. Woo! But to see, like, how far the scene has come, because we used to have these shows that were, ah, I mean, they were rough. <laughs> they were rough was the best way I could put them, you know? Uh, but we were out there, like, we were just guys trying our best. And... We didn't quite know what we were doing, but we had the heart, we had the passion to like try to make pro wrestling come true, to try to make our, you know, our dreams come true. And now to see where we are now and the shows that we're putting on, like the 13 year anniversary or uh, Grab House, Die Lit, they were fucking awesome <laughs> to put in a very simple, basic way, you know, they were fucking tight uh, both of those shows and they, they, they both gave something so very different. Uh, Grab House has its own vibe, its own energy, is very much more youthful. We have a very different audience, but at the same time, like, they love what we're doing and uh, they're very receptive to it. Uh, I was almost in disbelief and in shock of, like, the response that I got coming out because they, they were just so vehemently against me. and they, they But they just loved Adriel Noctis and Bryn Thorne so much. And I think we, we were able to put on a really great match for those people with such a dramatic finish to it. And I'm really looking forward to what I can do now as the Grab House World Champion and just try to bring that recognition back to Grab House. Uh, it started with the S4TB and Chris just having this crazy dream and really wanting to go against the tide and do their own thing. And I'm very grateful that they wanted me to be a part of it. And I feel like what we're cultivating now is something really different and special. And I really want that to continue on for a while because those guys are really talented. And uh, it, it, it's so often that we, we get told what to do, what to wear, where, where to be, uh, do this, do that. And a lot of times like you don't even get anything out of it. And these are people who like just fought back against that. And it's your time in wrestling. So fuck yeah, fight back, you know, fight the man, do your thing. And so many people have rebelled against their things and like this whole fucking country was a rebellion in a, long, a lot of ways. So it's cool to be a part of that, but at the same time, be able to go over to FSW and be able to do a little bit more of a traditional show and being able to be a part of the FSW, which has been around for longer than any other pro wrestling show in the history of Las Vegas. And we've survived so much and we're still here and we're putting on such awesome shows and we're producing incredible wrestlers who have already like made such big waves in pro wrestling with like Killer Cross or Lacey Ryan or Chris Bay 
And um, now Sandra Moon is really on the rise. Uh, I think that there's just so many talent that we have right now that could any moment just be really big. Uh, Jay Vidal is another one. I, I just too many to name off, like off the top of my head. And even if they're, they're just hanging out and they're doing their thing here, like I'm so proud of them because, you know, they, they come in and they do the work. And I always like to tell the guys like, yo, man, pro wrestling don't just happen. Like somebody got to put out these flyers and somebody got to promote these shows and somebody's got to put up this ring and these guardrails and uh, like bring the, the ring gear back and take all that shit down at the end of the night. So I appreciate all the work that they do because like I just said, pro wrestling, it, it don't just happen. If you want to do that, I don't know, learn how to dance and go grab a cardboard box and go fucking dance on the strip or something like that. It'd be a lot easier on you. But like in order for pro wrestling to happen, in order for a pro wrestling show to happen, it takes a team and it takes a lot of passion. And even if you're at the bottom, because uh, we're all there and at some point, like you just got to hang with it and you got to have that passion in order to drive you forward and your dreams and your desires have to be way bigger than the shit that you're going to have to eat on the way up there. Like, ugh, like I, I just love this energy, man. Like I just can't even describe it. I, it's, <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It really is. Like, I, I think that any, anybody coming up in wrestling right now, you know, just, I, I think it definitely comes, like you said, from kind of just, take taking the not so good and just continuing to work and go through it and you know, anybody coming up in the wrestling world right now definitely listen to this take the advice of gregory sharp and, and, and ride it to the moon because i know at least after this one like I, i'm riding it to the moon for sure oh thank you man but i i, I think like fuck dude y'all are in the entertainment industry like y'all got a podcast like y'all y'all know what it's like to just try to like have more views or like a little bit more better listenership and what it's like to just try to like talk to somebody they're like oh okay and they're maybe not so into it like oh all right and they are into it it's like all right fuck yeah that's a little victory like that's something you know that's a win in my book and mm -hmm. just like just trying to get enough of those little wins but it, it's just like that because it doesn't matter whether it's pro wrestling or you're going to college or you're you're trying to dance or you're trying to sing like it's all gonna be fucking hard it's all gonna be hard I wish we could all be, I don't know, Justin Bieber, and you were singing on the street one day, and then some dude's like, oh, man, here's a fucking career, <laughs> you know? Like, that'd be tight, but it's really, really not. The, the best things in life are hard, you know? Just get with it and just try to be around good people and just try to have a good attitude about it because you can, laugh, you can cry about your problems or you can laugh about them, but I just learned a long time ago that it's much better to laugh about your problems than it is to cry about them. This is a little, little off topic, but uh, we're reaching end. Don't want to eat up too much more of your time. You've been an awesome guest. But uh, we'd be remiss not to mention Remy and just what that FSW 13th match, anniversary match, what was it like? And what are some of your favorite moments from it or moments from the rivalry in general? Uh, greatest fellow and greatest mentor at the same time because, surprise, surprise, Remy Marcel was one of my trainers. Whoa. He was actually one of the trainers for every one of us, especially at a like, especially for the guys who have been here for a long time, the tenured guys. So like myself, uh, Cutthroat Cody, uh, Jacob Austin Young, Clutch, uh, Sugar Brown. Uh, at the time that we were like really, really low on the totem pole, uh, Remy Marcel, Jack Manley, Saiku, uh, they were the guys uh, who were trying to help us along, trying to show us the way trying to like really mentor us like at the time michael modest was the head trainer um and he wouldn't you know he would do his training thing but he wouldn't really like dig in and try to show us the way that was that was the dojo boys that was like i said that was remy that was jack that was psycho uh those were the guys who were really spend the time with us and help us try to figure out not just like what to do in the ring but how to do it how to be who to be like how can we make ourselves more interesting, more viable, more marketable, more over. Um, and I've, we've been doing it together for a really long time. And it's just funny that uh, at this point, like 10, 11 years later, now myself and Remy are having this insane, intense rivalry because up until that point, we never touched. We would had been in the same company for 10 years and never touched each other. I think one time we might've had a tag match, but that was it. That was it. And then having us 
and then the guys like to all go over to China together and be part of OWE together and having that experience. And then all that kind of culminated into this feud that kicked off back last year when he defeated me as Hyperstreak and won the Nevada State title. And then kind of set, and then from there, I diverged and decided to go back to being Gregory Sharp. Uh, it was just something that I heard from for a long time that Gregory Sharp, oh man, I saw some old Gregory Sharp stuff from like 2013, 2014, when I was doing it in FSW and people were like, oh man, you're a great heel. You did this really well. You did that really well. And I liked promos. And I heard that like for a while, uh, but me just being myself, like I was really going home with Hyperstreak and Hyperstreak was a part of me that I was very into, I was very proud of. And I wanted to be that character for a certain sect of the audience, a certain sect of the audience that felt different, a certain sect of the audience that felt like outcasts or freaks or just different or nerdy or something like that, because I was always a big nerd. So I donned Hyperstreak to try to relate to that audience. But lo and behold, it never actually worked. Done, done. Uh, so um, after a while, it's like, all right, well, let me let me give this Gregory Sharp thing another go because I feel like I really have something to say as Gregory Sharp now. So let me just go ahead and do it. So then it kicked off with Jay Vidal, and we did our thing, and uh, those were just a couple of really great matches. And it even though it took months, and there was all this fighting and going back and forth, and it felt like we did all the stuff. It was actually only two matches. We had the one match at uh, the anniversary show, and then we had another match at um, I think it was Survival of the Fittest. Then from there, it just kind of bled back into Remy. And we'd actually been feuding since the beginning of the year. And then we were actually doing the same matches over in Arizona. So for the past six months, me and him were just kind of married to each other, uh, just fighting over here in Vegas or fighting over in Arizona. Um, and then to have that match culminate the way that it did, to have that story culminate the way that it did, uh, for me to finally be able to take down one of the biggest and greatest wrestlers in FSW history or in Vegas history, uh, someone who showed me the way and someone who I spent so much time with and fought against and to finally win this title that I felt was more suited for me. It was kind of the black sheet title, the, the different title. You had the other titles, which would had so much more lineage and history and things and the No Limits title, which I challenged for a couple of times and just was never able to win. Uh, and the Nevada State title was just better suited for me. And for me to finally want it in front of that big audience at the 13-year anniversary over, like I said, one of the, the grandest wrestlers in our history, as far as Las Vegas wrestling is concerned, it was just such a great moment. Um, just everything about that match, the, the ode to Jerry Lynn with the Tornado DDT onto the table, uh, that was really great. The portion where he was going to cut my head off with a shovel, um, I that got that audible gasp that I I kind of was looking for, but didn't really expect. I wasn't sure if people were going to pick up on that imagery of like, I'm willing to cut this guy's head off just to get rid of him. And it really absolutely worked. And people were like, oh my God. And they were just in shock and awe of like the savagery that they almost just witnessed. And then for me to come back and smash him over the head with the the brick, uh, only to grab him and show the world that I'm the guy on top now and put him down with the finishing uh, the finishing bullet, the the brain buster, and to become the new Nevada State champion. It, it was, and especially the way that the crowd received it, uh, I was not expecting the the cheers, the very audible cheers. I was like, oh, okay, well. Here we go. All right. I guess uh, that's what we have to do today. I guess I, maybe I should have been a little bit more of an asshole today. But <laughs> it, it was a really cool moment. It was a really great match, and I'm glad everything came out the way that it did. I think just the reason you got some cheers, because I'm guilty. <laughs> I, was, I, I was one of the cheers. But it's just, uh, you said it's like you've had these chances at other titles. You haven't been able to get the job done. This title this is your third chance at Nevada State. It's just you deserved it, man. And people know that, you know, the, the people with Sharon are probably guys that people are very familiar with you, not just as a wrestler, but as a dude, knows you're a good dude and knows that Re Remy, Remy's a legend, but it's your time now. So, but, you know, still, still antagonize everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, welcome.
All right, Gregory. Well, now that we're approaching the end of our podcast, we like to let our guests have a couple minutes at the end to plug, promote any shows they have coming up, uh, social media, whatever else. So with that, the floor is yours. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, so currently, I'm, of course, you can find me here in Vegas. Look for me on Versus Pro Wrestling. Look for me on Future Stars of Wrestling. Look for me at Grap House, at Pride Style. All really great shows, a bunch of wonderful local talent and sometimes we have some other talent that mixes in and we're just doing some really cool stuff here in vegas and i'm really proud of it i uh, really hope the world gets to see it and take knowledge or acknowledge uh myself and all these other promotions all the other talent that we have here in vegas i'm now the grab house world champion so i really want to bring and show some light to grab house uh, of course you can probably find me at russell Gore out in canada very proud to be a part of that locker room as well uh, I still do wrestling pro wrestling, so if you still miss a little bit of that uh, hyperstreak action, uh, I still actually wear the mask. It's the only place you'll find me wearing that mask over in wrestling pro wrestling out in Burbank, California. I don't know. I think I might be a wildcat someday, eventually, sooner or later. Hit me up with the cocks. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully, I'll be able to make my way make my way back to Mexico in the not so distant future. That's something I really hope to do. Uh, hopefully getting back to Ireland again sometime this year. Uh, but yeah, I'm the world fighter, and I'm just looking to continue my fight around the world. Myself, I guess if you're interested in doing something as silly as that, on Instagram, G-Sharp 4Real, the number four, uh, with an E, of course, G-Sharp 4Real on Instagram. It's the only social media I really care to follow. So if you're looking to get in contact or follow me or see what's up with me, just do it on Instagram. Don't don't follow that Twitter account. I might go back to Twitter. I probably won't though. <laughs> I probably won't, to be honest. It might be for the best. I was off Twitter for a pretty long time too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. Honestly, I mean, like like I said, I know I marked out a little bit for your energy, but I, I do truly mean it. You know, definitely thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure talking to you. I mean. We had you for 45 minutes and we went for almost an hour. So <laughs> man, I'm, I'm, the podcast I listen to are like two, three hours. So, and I might be kind of a quiet dude, but if you get me talking, I can definitely talk. I will just let you all know right now. Like if, if you aren't a fan of Gregory Sharp, you have to be after this. Like if you're hearing this right now, you just heard one of my favorite interviews we've ever done you just have heard one of my favorite guests we've ever had on and truly absolute professional just the way that he speaks the way that he talked about pro wrestling just the way he talked about work ethic in general like if you listen to this on a friday or a monday like that should get you ready for the weekend or that should get you ready for the work week like inject all of that energy inside of me please like i don't want to say inject because like the implication but like, like I said, put it in my coffee. Like, let me, let me stir it up in the morning. Let, let, let me, let me, let it be the first thing I experience every day because I truly think like Gregory Sharp, an absolute legend, absolute stud, and you are going to be hearing his name a lot more. Yeah. And you definitely need that work ethic and energy when uh, they go through LA Dojo training, um, the New Japan LA Dojo, and especially working with Shibata, because I, I I thought both classes he did was with Shibata, but just the recent one, which is that's an honor to wrestle, be able to train under Shibata himself. That's crazy. Definitely, we'll go into that in the future. I think we were just running out of time when we brought it up, so I apologize if, if that's something you wanted to learn more about, but we'll definitely have him get in the future. And that will definitely 100% be one of the first things we ask. We'll go into the LA Dojo and uh, experiences there. But one thing I want to note before uh, we wrap, wrap this up was the passion that not just Sharp, just really any of the FSW people, the ring announcers, the guy who runs the website, Tom Crawford, um, the owners, Falco and Rocky, Anybody, you, you can tell their passion and love for wrestling. Just just typing with them online or talking in person either way. Like uh, I went to a viewership party for Forbidden Door and the ring announcer called Frankie, he was there. 
uh, FSW guy, and he was just freaking out, marking out for Forbidden Door. Like, they get so passionate about wrestling, and um, it shows in the product that they put out. FSW, Future Stars Wrestling, does a great job. You can uh, check them on YouTube, and also they do have their own streaming service. I think the cheapest option is $6 a month. It goes up just a couple dollars up for each, like, thing. Um, Even the $6 one is worth it. And then they have pay-per-views and fight, too. Like, the 13th anniversary, you actually can't watch that through a streaming service. You can pay $15 to fight and watch that or use your fight credits if you have ordered, like, Impact pay-per-views or AEW pay-per-views through that and got some credits that way. So, yeah, that's it for that. I, I got to get out to Vegas, I guess, Juice. I'm missing a lot, it seems. They got some great talent. Like, Sharp's my favorite. They got some great ones. Like, uh, guys that he mentioned, like Jay Vidal, uh, Remy, who we'll, we'll bring up very soon after our next interview. Nick Xander, the heartbeat. LA, uh, Las Vegas fans will get the heartbeat claps. And just so many more. Sandra Moon, who's... A uh, great one wrestler, Viva Vaughn, the, the queen of West Coast wrestling. Just so many great names that wrestle over here and so many I didn't get to mention. Well, if people who follow us uh, are not familiar with Gregory Sharp and all of FSW and some of the other Vegas promotions out there, we are always sharing and interacting with them on social media. So Juice, where can the people find us on social media? On Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. Instagram, T-O-T-C, underscore, P-O-D. It's all lowercase this time. So, yeah, just do as Bill said and, you know, follow us, man. Do it. And, and ladies, do it. Everybody, everybody follow us. Yes, everyone. Fall back, rats. And yes, uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. And as we come crashing down to the map on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you do not leave us a five-star review, you, specifically you, the person not giving us that five-star review, will not get five-star content. And that is just a fact. I do that whole rant on one breath. So at the end of it, I'm always gassed. (laughs) But again, thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to catch you next time.